Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. My next guest was recently profiled in the New York Times under the headline for one Cosby juror, The Work Continues. Cheryl Carmel was the jury foreperson in the 2018 sexual assault trial of Bill Cosby. During deliberations, she was shocked to find that Pennsylvania law had no definition for consent in the context of a sexual encounter. And she's trying to do something about that and joins me now. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you, Michael, for having me on today. And, and thanks also for, for doing your duty. You know, as, as an attorney, albeit not practicing day-to-day now, uh, I was always so upset with people who would undertake any measures to try and, and ditch their responsibility. Obviously, you responded to the bell in a very high-profile case. It couldn't have been easy, and, and I applaud you for that. Oh, thank you again for that, because that, that's the truth, is a lot of people do try to get out of their jury duty, and I look at that as an honor and a privilege, and it's a right to be an American citizen to be able to serve in, in, a, in a position like that. What most stands out, I'm going to, of course, get to the issue of consent and what it means, but generally speaking, what most stands out in your mind from, from having been the four-person in the Cosby case that convicted him? Uh, what most stands out is uh, basically the facts that were presented during the, uh, the trial itself. Um, again, there was a very good um, legal committees on both sides that gave us uh, lots of different information and lots of things to think about. And just the testimonies of the, uh, the different witnesses all uh, gave us uh, the information we needed. Um, the expert witnesses gave us information that we needed to be able to go back and deliberate and uh, use the information and the evidence to come to a verdict. In that profile of you that was written by Graham Bowley, it said this, to provide a little context to the issue at hand. Mr. Cosby had been charged with administering an intoxicant to a woman, Andrea Constan, and then penetrating her without her consent. Ms. Constant had come to his home outside of Philadelphia and accepted wine and pills that she said she thought were herbal medicine. Though Mr. Cosby described the sexual encounter in 2004 as consensual, Ms. Constant said she was too intoxicated to physically or verbally resist. In very general terms, is that a good framing for why you and fellow jurors then wanted to know, well, how does Pennsylvania law define consent? 
Uh, that's correct. I mean, with the, the law that the judge had read to us, there was quite a few um, pieces of information that uh, uh, was in the charges and all the law and, and, uh, and information was provided that gave additional context. But when it came to the term consent, as it was listed in the charge over and over again, it mentioned consent and then non-consent, there was really no true definition. And in our discussions, we were asking, you know, each other what that meant. And we said, well, there's, you know, coming from my position there, I know that the GDPR law, which was going into effect in just a few months at that point, um, had a very specific definition of consent. So I said, hey, if we've got a definition so specific for the use of, um, you know, information like my name and my email address and phone number, surely there's got to be a definition of consent for something as egregious as, you know, sexual assaults. In other words, you were you were relying, and this is what a juror is supposed to do, you were relying on your practical, in your case, work experience and saying, here's what it would mean to me in the context of my job. Surely there needs to be a similar framework. Absolutely. And so we posed that question to the judge. And the judge came back and said, that's something that can't be answered because there's no definition in Pennsylvania law. So we as whatever, I can't remember exactly what he said there, but men and women of the world, I know he used that over and over again, is reasonable people. We should be able to come up with a definition ourselves. More from the profile of you, because it'll help frame this conversation. In a civil deposition, Mr. Cosby had said he had not asked for permission verbally when he put his hand on Ms. Constat's midriff during their encounter at his home outside of Philadelphia one evening in early 2004. Quote, I don't hear her say anything, he said, and I don't feel her say anything. And so I continue and I got into the area that is somewhere between permission and rejection I am not stopped. According to Ms. Constant's testimony, she was passive and because of the intoxicants, unable to move or fight them off or even understand properly what was happening to her. That's the end of that summary. So I guess, Cheryl, it raises the question, if she didn't say no, was that giving him consent? And that's absolutely um, not the case. So the, the whole idea of consent is something that is, uh, and I'm going to quote from the stuff that I know I'm getting from uh, uh, Joyce uh, Short and the Consent Awareness Network, but a very concise definition is freely given, knowledgeable, and informed agreement. And then let me go back to some of the GDPR type of stuff is one of the things that's said there is uh, that silent or pre-tick boxes, now this is going back to the privacy part where you're given information online about your name and email address, so silent or pre-tick boxes or inactivity is not consent. So that was one of the things we also discussed is the fact that she did not say no. That doesn't mean she agreed to it. It means she was, again, frozen, intoxicated. Um, she was passed out. She could not respond. And if you cannot respond, then you can't freely give your consent. So in lay terms, then, what is it that you're arguing for? What do you believe the standard should be in Pennsylvania and in other states? Sure. The very simple thing that um, the, the line is consent means freely given, knowledgeable and informed agreement. And, and is that so that's something affirmative, right? Uh, that's something affirmative, right. And that actually has been posted in the state of New York. They do have a bill that's in front of the assembly there that has that laid out, and it's just that simple. 
what's happening in Pennsylvania right now is just a little bit different, and this hasn't made it very far along, which is what we're trying to post for, but they've added a few extra words in there to, to look at the, the negative side of things there. So this one says, consent is freely given, knowledgeable, and informed agreement obtained without the use of force, duress, co- coercion, deception, fraud, concealment, or artifice. So it gives a lot more of that kind of, that, you know, here's what consent is and kind of here's what it's not. So it does and, have and, both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And the absence, let me say this clearly, the absence of no in your definition does not constitute permission. Correct. The absence of a no does not constitute permission. The way you've articulated the way consent should function, is that, in thinking of a sexual encounter, is that every step of the way? Uh, so I believe so. And to understand truly what you're asking for there is every step of the way. So a sexual encounter, um, it's, you know, again, from the very beginning to the very end, as a person should be able to, you know, you go down that line and then all of a sudden you say, wait, this is not right for me. I should be able to withdraw my consent at any time. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to ask this question in a dignified way because I'm really interested in the answer. And I think it's important to the conversation. If 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 a man were initiating sexual contact with a woman through the advancing stages of that encounter at each step of the way, would he need to seek consent or is there a consent that would be perhaps obtained up front that would be one and done? Yeah, so that that's actually very interesting there, because, um, you know, in some of the conversations I've had with people since the trial, it's. That's a question somebody said is, so does it mean I have to say, may I kiss you? And then right. the person say, yes. Then may I touch you here? The person yes. say, yes. Right. right. And that's, that's what that's, I'm asking. You know, again, yeah, it's, it's kind of getting to, to really some very deep type of things are there is um, the absence of no, the word no, as well as the absence of the word yes. So a person doesn't have to say yes at the same time as a person doesn't have to say no. But there has to be the understanding between the, the two people. Now, the consent is a very personal item. It's not a mutual thing. It's like you can think that I said you know, yes or no, but whether I agree or not. So, and yes, it's, it is one of those things that you can progress along a sexual activity. And if a person, be it male or female, get to a point where they feel like, you know what, this is crossing the boundary. I thought I wanted to do this, but now I don't. I should be able to change my mind. And stop that process. And I know right. that. I, no, I, I totally, I totally, I totally get that. A, a man or a woman uh, should be able at any time, at any step to say no. And that's the end. I totally get that. I'm just not clear if I'm advancing from kissing to fondling to whatever may follow. Must I get a verbal agreement at each of those steps? And, and so that's one of the points there is that verbal agreement part is, is something we're trying to, to not. It, it does, I don't have to physically say yes, but if I, I push back and say, you know, again, push back and simply walk away from the situation. If I, if I can say yes, that's fine. But sometimes you get to that point where, um, and this goes into, um, I want to use the casting couch. Maybe I say yes, but I really don't want to say yes. But if I want the job, that's the understanding of, you know, how do you get to that right answer? It is a, it's a very hard situation to get at, and that's the reason why the, the freely given is making sure that this is something that I want to do and I, I, you know, give the right indications one way or the other of is my consent freely given and do I know what I'm doing, is it knowledgeable, 
Am I informed of everything possible within that and make sure that there's an agreement out of it? I'm taking notes. Freely given. Was I was I knowledgeable? Was I informed? And what's the final agreement? Agreement. These are I mean, Cheryl, these are very difficult issues to resolve and to be able mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think maybe through this exercise, we're understanding why Pennsylvania didn't have something written because it's it's not easily done. What's the lay of the land in other states? How do other states handle this issue? And so I, I don't have as much information overall for each one of those states that are there. But, but in general. Available. Right, in general. So in general, there's, there's, not, uh, there's not a single state that really truly defines it very well. And so across the board, it's the same thing. Now, this is where I'm going to go back to privacy laws, is I'm looking at privacy laws right now in California, Colorado, New York, um, and there's probably some more. But each one of them, they have consent defined the same way. Uh, freely given, specific, informed. Um, California uses the word unambiguous, um, and this is all about the consumer rights of, of privacy. Uh, Colorado, it's the same type of thing. There's the, uh, the word unambiguous that's used in that one. Um, so, if there, again, if we've got this for the privacy laws, we should be able to find some way to get those for, you know, um, the, the sexual, um, you know, activity type of laws. So there should be, and not just that too, is because there's other things such as because uh, I know in New York we've got this in the, uh, the the general penal codes as opposed to just in the uh, the sexual assault and indecent assault type of codes. So it's something that we should be able to do, you know, more globally as as far as making it. And you're right, it is very hard. And even those those words, freely given, uh, knowledgeable, and informed agreement, are very simple words to use. When you get into those conversations with, well, you know, each step of the way, what is it, you know, being done? What is it being said? And how is this being, you know, looked at? But going back to the case of, of Cosby, is it was pretty clear she was totally um, intoxicated. She was, uh, and this was from a pill, that she could not respond. So there's no way that that is looked at as consent. Yeah, I was going to say, so. You ask the judge, please tell us how is consent defined? And he comes back and says, I can't answer that. You'll have to rely on your own life experiences. You then have to apply your life experiences to what went on with these two individuals. And the conclusion you come to is she was in no condition where she could have consented. So therefore, he had not obtained consent. Is that a fair articulation? That's a fair articulation. Yes, sir. Um. Okay, so so again, thank you so much for being here. Did I did I put the accent on the wrong syllable? Should I have said Cheryl Carmel when I introduced you? Uh, yeah, Carmel is the way that we say it. Carmel. Yeah, okay, I, all right. I think so. I did get it. I think I did get yep. it. So so sum up. Here you are, the four person of the jury that convicted Bill Cosby. Of course, the first case ended in a in a hung decision, um, troubled by something that came up in the course of your case that you're trying to do something about it. What's the summation that you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, sure. So basically, some of the things that I'm looking at is, is I'm, I'm just a citizen. Again, I did my civic duty with the right. jury, and, and right. I, I see myself as a continued citizen. I'm seeing a path to make a small change in our judicial system by making this amendment to the law to give a clear definition of a word that is used throughout the laws and the charges that we get. Um, this change hopefully will let the public know that a person is not a, required to actually say yes or no to indicate consent or not consent. 
Um, it'll also help the police, the prosecutors, the defense attorneys to have consistent language to charge a person with a crime. Um, but my primary motivation behind this is about the jury. It, you know, given some kind of a consistent language, will allow a jury to come to an agreement consistently as it relates to the questions of consent. You, you want to make sure that the next jurors in your position have some guidance that they can apply. That's correct. Cheryl Carmel, I really appreciate your time. Thanks again for your jury service and, and your willingness to come on and explain this very important issue. Yep. Thank you again for having me on the show. All right. You got it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, the profile of my guest that I made reference to a moment ago is in my social media because, it, yeah, it's complicated. And if you want to fully appreciate the whole story, I uh, I would love you to go and, and to read it. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.